Welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sango, and today I'm bringing you an episode from the Digiday Future of TV Summit we recently held in California. OTT services, including a growing crop of virtual MVPDs, are clamoring for your ad dollars, and they have the eyeballs to warrant them. So this is just the opportunity that will replace linear TV over time, right? Not so fast. The content might look the same, but the dynamics of advertising on OTT are dramatically different and suggest this growing medium is going to evolve in interesting and unique ways. In this presentation, Kate Boulos of Varick discusses the role that challenger brands will play in shaping the future of OTT advertising. My name is Kate Boulos. I work with Varick, where we bring platform expertise to our clients. We're living in a very platform-based world these days, and there are no shortage of these platforms vying for both our attention and our ad dollars. And whether you're working with Google, Facebook, Amazon, the Trade Desk, et cetera, they all offer their own unique opportunities and nuances for marketers to explore. And that's where Vera comes in. Now, we work with both brands and agencies, but we've seen a significant increase in our work with challenger brands. And these are brands that are generally smaller, may have smaller ad budgets, but are nimble and are offering a compelling alternative to their larger competitive counterparts. And I bring up Challenger specifically because we're noting a marked shift in how they are considering their platform and growth strategies. We know, for example, that many direct-to-consumer brands rely heavily on search and social as levers of growth. And they may eventually foray into the world of TV. But with these Challengers, we're seeing that they're starting to consider TV right out of the gate instead of waiting till they've exhausted their search and social channels. And this, in and of itself, has huge implications for the growth of TV. So I want to take a second, as many of us have, and really quickly make sure that we have an idea of some of the main kinds of players in this space. We've got OTT, which is over the top. That's accessing video content through a high-speed internet connection. It could be ad-supported, or it could be subscription-based. Next are the MVPDs, multi-channel video programming distributors. I said it. Um, <laughs> And those are cable or satellite providers that are giving us access to many, many channels, more of the traditional model. And then finally, we've got virtual MVPDs, and this is where things get a little crazy. So virtual MVPDs are still giving us access to many channels, but through that internet connection. Now, all virtual MVPDs are OTT, but not all OTT are virtual MVPDs. And that's because not all OTT offer live linear solutions. So for example, Netflix and Amazon Prime are not virtual MVPDs because they don't have a live linear option. To confuse us even more, we've got some traditional players getting into the digital game, like Dish and DirecTV, and we have new players cropping up like Fubo, getting into the video MVPD space. I'm gonna stop saying that now. Um, so we see this whole world of TV is really converging in and of itself. And as it does, I think we're going to notice a really interesting phenomenon, which is the democratization of TV. And that's something that we didn't really have in the world of linear. But in OTT, anybody can play in this space. So with linear, it used to be that you had really big brands with really big budgets. They would make really big ad spends. And in turn, those spends would allow them to enjoy lower rates. Those lower rates would allow them to buy even more inventory and effectively box out smaller advertisers from the channel altogether, right? But we're not really seeing that ever in a digital biddable world. 
Instead, smaller brands can gain equal footing with larger brands as they're bidding on the same keywords and ad placements. So in this space, it's not as much about how much you're spending, but how wisely you're spending. And as we see OTT become more and more biddable, and it is, we're going to see this same great equalizer effect take root in the world of TV. Now, some will say that OTT is still unobtainable for smaller brands, it's too expensive, there's not enough inventory, but I don't think that's really the case, and that's not what we're seeing. So OTT CPMs can range from 20 to mid 40s, even higher if you're gonna get really wild with your targeting. But for challengers, while this may be more expensive than they're used to paying in search and social, there's still value for them because they're able to expand their audience and also still granularly target. So there's value there for them. And then in terms of inventory, it's true that, yes, the majority of streaming happens in non-ad-supported environments. But as we just saw, more and more players are entering the space and offering consumers new ways to watch TV in a digital ecosystem. And that's really important because consumers want that. So a little over a year ago now, Comscore found that 5% of U.S. households um, were actually streaming pure play virtual MVPDs. And that's a 58% increase from two years ago. And to point out the significance of this, remember that pure play virtual MVPDs means that they were not counting classic YouTube, classic Hulu. So this is pure live linear streaming, which is actually pretty compelling. Also, these audience audiences were spending around 10% of their overall streaming time in these live environments. So TV is continuing to evolve to cater to a digitally focused audience, and they're doing the same for marketers. So this is just a really quick snapshot of some of the targeting can, that can be available for digitally focused brands. As you can note, there is a lot of really rich first party data available in these different platforms, and that again is gonna allow marketers to really explore their targeting and their capabilities. So as TV continues to grow and evolve, I believe that the challenger brands are gonna be the ones that really help to define the OTT space. If you can recall how Facebook sort of came about and became such a behemoth, it wasn't because a few really large brands spent big on the platform. Instead, the strength of Facebook is based on, this, on the millions of small and mid-sized advertisers that are using their platform daily. And remember that the targeting mechanisms and buying capabilities within OTT are very comfortable and familiar for digital natives. That fragmentation that we keep talking about this week may be off-putting for larger brands, but for a smaller, scrappier challenger, that's not the case. So challengers are starting to invest more time and energy in TV, and as they do, they're going to see that TV is not only a complement to their search and social, but it's also actually a necessary part of, their, part of their growth. Now, challengers are growing in their own right, right? Direct-to-consumer brands have been around for a little while now. And these challengers are watching the brands that have come before them, and they've noticed a marked uh, sort of cycle that these brands have been stuck in, and that's this sort of rampant plateau. So for example, you might have a brand starting out, they're gonna invest really heavily in search, they see growth, then they face diminishing returns, and they plateau. So they layer on another channel, social. Invest heavily in social, see some nice growth, they saturate that channel, they plateau. Rinse and repeat. And we've seen some really successful direct-to-consumer brands um, sort of face this challenge and break the cycle by eventually opening up into TV. 
and that expected sort of plateau doesn't really come because in TV, the audiences are pretty vast and varied. So this allows brands to sort of continually refine their audience tactics. And in that way, TV is a little bit more of a living ecosystem for brands to evolve in as opposed to search and social. Now, challengers are seeing this and starting to question, why do we have to wait to plateau to start expanding our brand? And the answer is, they don't. And that's exactly what we're advising them at Varic. So for all intents and purposes, we are a performance-based shop. But that doesn't mean that we're not having the value of branding discussion with a lot of our brands. In fact, some of our longest standing client engagements with brands like H&R Block and Canada Goose are so successful because these are excellent brand builders. So we point to this work when we are working with our challenger brands. So case in point, Slingshot Health is one of our clients. And for those of you unfamiliar, Slingshot is an app that connects you directly with a real healthcare provider, and it allows you to bid, actually bid, on how much you want to pay for a procedure, which is pretty wild. It's definitely disruptive, and it is the kind of brand that you would absolutely expect to see plastered across search and social. But here's the thing. We're having the discussions with Slingshot that they really need to value the brand billing element of their strategy. So yes, we are running search and social with them. We are investing in short-term DR, but we're also investing in OTT with them as well to make sure that we get that sustained growth. And this graph, I absolutely love. First came across it um, during a seminar with marketing professor Mark Ritson. Oops, sorry. Um, and I think it really nicely shows the value of doing both brand and DR advertising. You can see as you're starting out, yes, you will experience some nice growth with DR, but that's not sustainable. You really need strong branding to, to raise up the brand and give you uh, a long leeway. And I think that, again, OTT becomes that really strong branding engine for challenger brands. So in summation, we know that challenger brands are jumping into OTT as the environment continues to evolve. We know that they are gonna continue to define the space. And as they do and they explore this space, they're going to need to embrace the idea of brand building and not just be focused on pure performance marketing, right? The traditional brands out there may not be able to box out the competition anymore through OTT, but that's okay. They still need to play in this space and they can still play a part in defining the, the channel as well. And they can still enjoy some efficiencies as they use granular targeting and nuanced audience messaging. So we have OTT to thank for the new brand landscape, and that's one that is built not just on the strength of budgets, but instead the strength of data and the understanding of your audience. With the, the democratization of TV, anybody can play in this space, but it's only the most strategic that will win. Thank you. Thanks, Kate, that was great. So, um, first question is, uh, it kind of like speaks back to what we were just talking about the yeah, last session. Yeah, kind of stole my thunder, thanks. Yeah, yeah, I had to plan it that way. Um, is there a future, though, where you can look at OTT as more than just, I don't want to say just, but like more than a branding vehicle? Like, can, I mean, like, are you seeing evidence hmm. of that? 
of it actually driving performance? I know it's early, but I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it is early. I think that, and I think this has come up in town halls and that sort of thing as well. I think it's about managing expectations with, with um, marketers and making sure that they understand that it's not, it may not necessarily be a direct one-to-one. -one. Like mm -hmm. we're, again, like we're very performance focused, mm -hmm. but when we are activating in TV, it's, it's really not on the performance base. It's to give us that runway on the back end DR side mm -hmm. to, to be able to really, really perform. How much of it, uh, uh, I'd love to get a sense of, of, uh, you know, with, with sort of the clients being in the DTC uh, space, um, has it been, I don't know if there's a way to compare it, but like, has it been easier because there are these challenger brands? They've kind of like capped out or no Facebook really well, no Instagram mm -hmm. really well, no search really well, and now they're sort of maybe more open to like, okay, we've capped out here. Yeah. Let's try these new things that maybe not, are not sort of, you know, the kind of performance driven marketing that we're used to, but we need to go somewhere else because... This yeah. is kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a nice opportunity yeah. for companies like Varric, absolutely. Um, and I think that um, having all of those marketing activities, whether it's you know, simply visibility into what a brand is doing, specifically in search and social, being able to connect that into the OTT performance, or you know, owning all of that together, I think that makes the whole journey a lot easier. And I think that we're so interested in direct-to-consumer brands and challenger brands because they're breaking the mold and they're not sort of stuck in these traditional ways of doing things. They want to push the conversation forward. They want to try and do new things, mm -hmm. um, you know, from content and influencing and all of that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. One of the, one of the questions uh, that was asked was uh, trying to just, like, understand efficiencies in terms of evaluating efficiencies across these different channels, mm -hmm. especially from, from, a, from a cost and just performance perspective. How do you guys look at that in terms of OTT across the different types of OTT and as you kind of went through all the, all the acronyms uh, yeah. as well as maybe a few more sort of traditional outlets? Like how, how are you guys sort of managing expectations there also and also just evaluating how cost efficient is this relative to other channels that we've been using in the past for this yeah. stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would expect Facebook and um, search to be very cost efficient, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely a different conversation when we're talking about OTT and certainly some other branding channels we mm -hmm. might explore, like you know, digital out of home or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, but I think again with OTT, it's more about like, what do you really want to do? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to pay a seventy dollars CPM to get? you know, these five people, or should we open up that umbrella and really use the channel um, for, for what it's meant to be used for, which is to really cast a, a wider net. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're using in terms of like uh, managing expectations with cost and, you know, working on efficiencies is like, what really are the expectations? What is the like micro goal mm -hmm. of OTT for that given campaign? Mm -hmm. And how is that going to play in with, you know, all the attribution and everything else lower down the funnel? In that context, I'm kind of curious, I think, it, you know, it came up when we were talking very broadly in terms of, um, advanced TV and the future of advanced TV. Mm -hmm. Have you had to tell clients, like, expect there to, there to be some waste here? Like, you know, in terms of just, this is this, is this sure. world, right? Like, it's not yeah. gonna be as, Right, yeah. it's not, it's just not as efficient. Yeah, a little and are, bit. are they okay with it as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the interesting point is, you know, I talked about sort of like mature direct-to-consumer brands versus like these like new up-and-coming challenger brands. And I think the, 
sort of incumbent direct-to-consumer brands may not be as okay with that waste because they are so performance-driven. Mm -hmm. But I think that the new crop is coming in and realizing that there is more out there and that mm -hmm. this actually is their time to take competitive advantage. And if that means not being you know, black and white, the most efficient plan, but it's a longer term play, mm -hmm. then I think they're a little bit more open to that conversation. Even on a, uh, I'm just kind of curious, I don't think I've ever asked you this, like oh. on, a ball, on a ballpark pers like, perspective, like you don't have to give me an exact percentage, but I would like a number. Okay. Um, relative to, let's say, how much of, across the client base, mm -hmm. how much of, your, of that spend was going to OTT last year versus this year? I don't think in a sense of like, how much are they shifting, right? Yeah. Away from search and social. Yeah, I think, so I think there's a couple things to consider and I will give you a number. Mm -hmm. Like, I think last year our client base was growing in the direct-to-consumer capacity. This year that's exploded. So we're seeing a lot more of that and mm -hmm. a lot more of them are like brand new entrants into, the, into marketing and advertising. So that's enabled us to get in and have that relationship and own those channels for them. Mm -hmm. I would say last year maybe 15%, this year maybe like 25, 30. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely expect that to grow. We've welcomed a few um, larger new entrants uh, just recently that I can't mention. but. They, that is definitely going to massively increase mm -hmm. um, our spending mm -hmm. this year. And uh, I'd love to, uh, another really interesting thing for me over the past year has been the efforts undertaken by the sellers to sort of like build out either practices or products, you know, from attribution to everything else mm -hmm. uh, to, to get this money, right? Because everyone, yeah. like, well, they're spending a ton of money. Yeah. These, these companies have raised a lot of capital. They, want it, they need to get customers. So you have Hulu, like, really investing in this area, right? Mm -hmm. You have NBC Universal. Xander, uh, 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 yeah, like really focus, yeah, really focusing totally. on this category of brands. How would you grade them? Like, I'd, be lo I'd love to get a sense of like, how are they as as sellers for D2C brands, and, where, and specifically also just like, where would you have them improve as well? Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I think Hulu does a good job, so thank you, Hulu. Um, we haven't really used like the Xander capabilities yet. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, where we're seeing the most growth is by doing customized solutions ourselves okay. and getting really scrappy on the back end, um, fitting into whatever given business models those are. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really, honestly, where we're seeing the most success and where we're getting the most traction with you know, our, our brands like during pitch mode. So no one's that great is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's tough because, you know, you have, to, you have to be able to tie in everything that's going on mm -hmm. to really make a compelling story for how this is affecting that. And like, you know, we've done like, well, this, this drove this much foot traffic or online sale or offline sales lift and those sorts of things. And like you can poke holes in any of those things. But I think if you can really control um, the data and look at the performance in ways that are meaningful for each individual brand that you're working with, like that's where the magic happens. Cool. Okay, this was terrific. Thanks Thank so you. much for joining us. Appreciate it. Always. Cheers. Thank you. All right. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then please subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Aditi Sangal, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.